Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911 back from Israel, the Holy Land. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm here with my partner, Paul Clay. Good to be back. A um, lot, of, lot of good people are still, uh, a lot of pilgrims, a lot of tourists are still stuck over in Israel, and things don't look good. That's what we want to talk about today. So, last week, I went with 60 people out here uh, with a, from Phoenix, Arizona. We went to the Holy Land. As Catholics, we call it the Holy Land. I know the world calls it Israel, but for us... It has a religious significance, not a political significance for Catholics. You'll hear Catholics, a, 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 a Catholic that knows his faith calls it the Holy Land. We don't call it Israel. I know that's, you know, it, amongst the nations, that's what it's called. So let me give you a little bit of my, uh, <clears throat> of my trip here. Some people keep are wondering, what happened, Jesse? So we arrived, I went with my wife, Anita, 59 other people. We arrived October 7th, 2023 at 5 p.m. in the evening at Tel Aviv International Airport in Israel. Something very interesting that 500 years ago, uh, on that date, October 7th, 1571, there was a very famous uh, battle where a much smaller Catholic army defeated a larger Islamic Turkish army. It's called the Battle of Lepanto. It's worth, uh, it's worth looking at on YouTube or, or, or reading it. It'll make you proud to be a Catholic. So, Amen. when we were descending, and, and, and the reason I bring up that day, because to me, uh, anytime I notice a major attack from Islam, it's, it's typically on a date where the Catholics defeated Muslims in a Middle Age battle. Most people don't know that because most people don't know history. And, and mo Muslims have a long memory like elephants. And they remember these dates where they lost to Catholics in the Middle Ages. So I just, I'm just bringing that up as a sidebar. So mm -hmm. as we're descending, many passengers in the plane were looking out the window and they were saying that there was black smoke ascending somewhere near the airport. I didn't have a window, a window seat, so I, I couldn't see outside, but I'm just listening to the conversation in the plane. People are saying, hey, there's smoke coming up from here. Smoke, black smoke coming up from there. Uh, so to me, I'm just thinking that's probably like controlled burns like they do in California. That's what I thought. So when we deplaned at the Ben Giron airport in Tel Aviv, Israel, the tour guides that received us, it was a Catholic tour company, very professional. They informed us. I turned on my phone and all of a sudden I'm getting all these messages about uh, uh, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem where we landed as being attacked by rockets. So the tour guides that received us, they informed us immediately that all the planes after ours were, were rerouted and no other planes were allowed to come to Israel. So we were the last plane to be allowed to come in. And I noticed it was kind of interesting because it was a long flight over there. And I noticed that we kept flying uh, in a circle around Tel Aviv. As I'm looking at the monitor, I'm saying, why are we, why aren't we landing? I'm tired. I've been on this plane for 13 hours. Why are we flying around in a circle? So I'm, I'm noticing that they didn't want to land, but I had no idea what was happening on the ground. 
So our tour guide told me and my wife that Israel had been attacked by Hamas terrorists or that and, and Hamas, in case you're wondering who they are, they're a well-known branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, which operates in Israel. So when we turned our, on our cell phones, you can imagine what we got. We heard, we heard of the attacks in the Gaza Strip from many people that were texting us and from international news on, on the phone. Well, that same evening, our pilgrimage begins with, with traveling to Galilee, which is north of Tel Aviv, which puts us in a safer part of Israel since the attacks were in the south and in, in the Gaza Strip and in Tel Aviv. Uh, if you think about Israel, it's it's like it's shaped like California, and it's it looks like California. It's long, like California, and it's up against the the Mediterranean Sea, just like California is against the Pacific Ocean, and the topography looks just like California. So, <clears throat> we we that night we go into safety over to the northern part of Israel into the, into Galilee. Next morning we wake up on Sunday. And we had already decided after talking to the tour guides that we had to go back as soon as possible. So they were making arrangements for 60 people to go back immediately. So the nine day pilgrimage was basically, it was over. But since we were there and they weren't able to get us flights till the following day, the tour guides asked us, well, we're in Galilee. It's kind of safe out here. Would you like to visit some of the holy sites? We said, yeah, of course. So it was Sunday. Uh, we uh, we went to Holy Mass. Uh, Father Dave Nick celebrated Holy Mass for us. We visited some of the holy sites. We went to the city of Nazareth, uh, to the city of Caesarea, uh, Stella Maris, Magdala. Uh, but uh, this is the day, and now we're all listening to the news, in which we heard about the surprise attacks by the Hamas terrorists who had killed over 1,200 innocent Israelis I mean, a lot of them were at a concert, a lot of these young people. Most of them were civilians. There is 2,700 Israelis injured. And uh, we also heard from news reports that they have about 250 Israeli hostages, many of them young women who uh, have been brutally raped. So all the flights to the Holy Land were canceled as a result of the prime minister of Israel declaring war on Hamas because those terrorists had not only killed hundreds of innocent Israelis, but they were, according to reports, they were torturing civilians as well. Now, we're going to get into the spiritual component of this. I'm just kind of giving you my my little three-day tour here. So that same evening, after returning from our excursions, we went to Holy Mass and dinner. And after dinner, there was an emergency meeting between two Catholic priests that went, my pastor, Father Craig Friedley, uh, who's a retired military. In fact, he's a retired major in, um, in the National Guard, and he's also a, a retired Air Force fighter pilot. He knew, as soon as we got there, he's looking up at the sky, we're seeing jets fly past us, uh, helicopters, uh, military helicopters fly past us, we're seeing tanks on the street. And so my pastor, he told me, he goes, Jess, this is not, uh, these aren't, uh, th- these aren't, uh, this isn't an operation. These aren't, pra- these aren't maneuvers. These are, they're not practicing maneuvers. He goes, we entered into a war. He goes, these are war maneuvers. He recognized it right away. Uh, and so we had a meeting with the tour guides. 
And they told us that, well, you can't continue your pilgrimage uh, into Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It's not an option. So we all decided we need to head back for the U.S. as soon as possible because that's what the Israeli uh, embassy was recommending for all tourists, get back home. And, there, and all flights were canceled into Tel Aviv. So the tour company scheduled our return flights to the U.S. on Tuesday, October 10th. But uh, we would have to be scheduled to fly out of Amman International Airport from the country of Jordan, which is a Muslim country, but they're, more, they're pretty friendly to uh, Americans and to Christians. They're not, they're not like a Sharia law country. So we, we drove over there. The, the, the tour bus companies drove us over to, to Amman, Jordan. We spent the night at the Sheraton. But, uh, but before we, uh, but that Monday morning, we, we also took a, a, a boat tour on the Sea of Galilee. And it was very peaceful. In the midst of the fact that I knew that this country was uh, at war in the south, I felt very at peace being in the Sea of Galilee. In fact, it was Anita's birthday, and uh, and and uh, she started dancing on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And there's about 60 people there. She brought a smile to everybody there because she just radiated joy. And I mean, both of us said, hey, we die, we die. We're in a state of grace. What a better place to die than, Jer- than Jerusalem. Can you imagine? Somebody we know rose from the dead there named Jesus. And so p- people were asking me, you know, and to be honest with you, the whole time I'm saying, if I die, no better place to die than, than Jerusalem. Uh, the, the, the city here where my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as- died, rose, ascended into heaven. That's the city he's going to come back at the last day at the general judgment. And so I'm saying that if, if, this, is, if this is my lot uh, to die in Jerusalem, that's fine. And so me and my wife are dancing in the boat. And what happened? <laughs> we caused... 60 people to smile because people were tense and people started smiling. People started dancing on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and my and my wife let the dance. It was her birthday. We put up some music and we're dancing there. But um, again, we knew, we knew that this was a very serious situation. And uh, we already had our flights scheduled to fly back from Amman, Jordan on Tuesday, October 10th. So from Amman, Jordan, we flew to Istanbul then to San Francisco, and finally to Arizona. I made it back two days ago. Uh, the entire time that we were there in Israel, we could see tanks, attack helicopters, fighter pilots flying overhead. Again, my, uh, my pastor told me, he said, uh, this, these aren't practice maneuvers. This is, these are battle formation maneuvers. We're in a war zone. The Israeli prime minister and the cabinet, they also officially declared war on Hamas. And so... Let me talk a little bit about the topography of Israel. This is a very small country. And and I'll tell you, but it's prime real estate. Why is it prime real estate? Because Israel is a land bridge that connects three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. So it's always been coveted by everybody. Ever since uh, the Egyptians, every single civilization has wanted that little piece of land strip because of its connection to three continents. We'll be right back. Jesus 911 two-man car. Jess Romero, Paul Clay. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. Yeah. All right. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. If you want to hear what happened on my trip, I blogged it today. Go to jesseromero.com in my blog. And yeah, I basically wrote everything uh, as I saw it. And I kind of give a political analysis. I kind of give a spiritual analysis. Well, which we'll get into right now. Paul, so you were over here in the States and you were, we were texting back and forth. Obviously, you were watching what was happening in the news. So what, uh, what, when did you guys find out that uh, there was an attack and that Israel had declared war? Well, Jess, uh, let me just start out by saying welcome home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good to be back. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of people over here who knew you were about you and I, I shared with you i know my dad uh he had a bunch of people at his church in new jersey i mean not new jersey he's in south carolina now uh, uh putting up rosaries for you wow praise god that's awesome man uh Warm yeah, my yeah. Heart. there was a lot of concern yeah a lot of concern there um yeah jess while you and anita were uh busy dancing on the boat <laughs> we were getting an up close uh, view of the war you know we saw you know the devastation we heard about the horrible atrocities that were happening and uh yeah we were really concerned in fact i know i text you and uh, you know are you guys okay and you know trying to give you updates and I, you know i'm not sure what the phone service was like out there but uh as soon as you landed you know i you know i was like hey fyi right there you know yeah there's a uh, it's terrorist activity, but I don't know, you know, at what point you were able to get that message. Anyway, um, immediately your message, uh, were, they yeah. were coming through immediately. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jess, um, listen, this is a, a, a situation here when we're thinking about an over there, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know, as I'm watching the news media and you're seeing a lot of outrage because there are people who are siding with the Palestinians. And then there's another group that's siding with Israel. And, you know, you know, just to try to get a little clarification, um, you know, uh, I wanted to just say, you know, let's, let's talk about a little bit of history. How, how did Israel get to be Israel today? And what's really going on? What's the conflict really all about? Um, and I'll just tell you from, from my research, um, I know that uh, in 1917, there was a, a, a British foreign secretary. His name was Arthur uh, Balfour. And he, he wrote uh, you know, a letter basically saying that the British government was in favor of establishing a Jewish state in Palestine. And that was in 1917. Uh, uh, so by, by 1918, the British actually went in and took control of that area. The only problem was it was occupied 90% by, by Arabs, Palestinians. And uh, it was less than 10% Jewish at the time. Uh, by the time World War II came around, um, you know, then there was a lot going on. Uh, the British Empire, right, they promised the Arabs that if they fought on their behalf uh, against the Ottoman, the Turkish Ottoman Empire, that, uh, you know, um, well, actually, and so this was back in World War I, they promised them that they would, you know, help them 
establish independence and freedom and everything else. So there's just a big mess going on over there. But by the end of World War II, uh, the United Nations was established and the United Nations decided to uh, recognize, uh, you know, after what happened to um, Israel during World War II, the Jews and Hitler and him trying to uh, basically kill six million of them, uh, they decided to recognize uh, uh, a Jewish state. And that's when everybody began, you know, uh, migrating back into Israel. Uh, all the Jews from around the world, they came back into Israel. And um, uh, this caused tension quite obviously, because like I said, the land was already preoccupied. And basically, yeah. um, uh, the Palestinians were displaced. Now, that being said, uh, as I was talking with my wife, you know, um, it, you know, it's horrible, you know, that that had to happen. And, and anybody can sympathize with the Palestinians, you know, imagine, uh, you know, because you have to remember the Jews were pretty much uh, uh, kicked out of their ancestral homeland by the Romans in 70 AD. And they didn't really get back there to be as an established state until 1948. So in the meantime, that land was occupied. If you can imagine. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been occupied by several people from 70 AD when the Jews were kicked out by pagan Rome. Yeah. Up until yes. 1948, that land has been occupied by, by several empires. However. Yes. The, the, from 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 a cat from a Catholic point of view, looking at Scripture, uh, ca the Jews were given that land by God, absolutely given that land by God, but they've brought a curse upon themselves because they've rejected Christ, and this is yes. what's happening right now. When was that? I, I can give you many verses, but I'll give you yeah. two overarching verses yeah. when it was given to them by God. Well, Genesis well, chapter like twelve, any... verse yeah. In Genesis chapter twelve, verse three, here's the trajectory of where it comes from. God speaks to Abraham, who's a patriarch, the first patriarch that we know of, who was a pagan. He's from the Ur of Chaldees. He worshipped. He was a polytheist. He was promised that land, the land of Canaan. He fathered Isaac. Isaac, his son, fathered Jacob. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Israel had 12 boys. These 12 boys became the foundation and the pillars for the country that we call Israel. Israel was first a confederate nation with these 12 boys that took 12 different sections of, of Canaan. They conquered it and they called it Israel after their father. The word Israel means struggle with God. Now, then the second time where God speaks clearly is to Moses. The Israelites, that's what they were called back in the Old Testament, they had been taken captive by Egypt under the Pharaoh. And when God sent Moses as a covenant mediator to rescue his people, he once again sent them back to the land of Canaan or the land of milk and honey, which we call today, which Joshua ushered them into the land. It's called Israel. And so, uh, from from a from a biblical point of view, that land was given to the Israelites. As Catholics, we don't have a dog in the fight. 
because as Catholics, we don't have this attachment to hard geographic Israel. We do have a, a devotional attachment to the Holy Land, the land where Jesus walked, who is God, to the holy sites. So we're not attached to Israel proper. We're attached to the holy sites in the Holy Land. And it's only because our Lord lived and walked and talked and performed miracles there. But the Jews, that's what they're called now. Back they were called Israelites in, Israelites in the Old Testament. Because of the rejection of their Messiah, they have brought a covenant curse upon themselves. And one of the covenant curses that they brought upon themselves is that there's been this, this, uh, this family feud between, you know, siblings. Because the Jewish argument is that the Jews will say, well, this land was, uh, was promised to our father Abraham and were the sons of Abraham through Isaac. The Muslims will say, they'll use the same argument. They'll say, absolutely, that land was promised to Abraham. They'll quote the same verses. But they'll say, but since, since the Ishmael, was uh, Abraham's firstborn, and Ishmael was banished to the to the Mesopotamia, which became the Arab nations. That land belongs to us. So both sides, the Muslim and the Jew, trace their genealogy back to that land formerly called Canaan, now called Israel, through Abraham. Both of them lay claims to that physical property through Abraham and his son, one Ishmael, the other Isaac. Now, we as Catholics, like I said, we don't have a dog in the fight. I, I've only gone to the Holy Land for the third time because I want to walk the footsteps of Jesus. I have no attachment to national Israel. But the, the, the battle between both of them is a sibling rivalry. And sometimes sibling rivalries are, are the worst rivalries ever. Uh, now, I, I want to talk about the spiritual aspects of Israel or the Jewish people and also the Islamic people I have, have a spiritual aspects to them uh, so beyond the political in the Old Testament we know that the Israelites they rejected Christ their Messiah when you reject Jesus the Prince of Peace Isaiah 9 5 guess what you're gonna bring upon yourself whether you're an individual or a family or a country you're gonna bring wrath upon yourself when you reject Jesus whether as an individual, a, f a family, a marriage, or a country. And this is what the Jews, also known as the Israelites, the rejection of Christ has brought them physical chastisements. And our Lord railed against the unbelieving Jews in his day. What, what I would call today an unbelieving Jew would be what we would call today a godless secular humanist. Here's a few verses where you could see that the unbelieving Jews of, of our Lord's day, they rejected him as the son of God and look at the consequences. Here's one verse where John the Apostle clearly talks about the rejection of Christ. John 1, 10 to 12. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world knew him not. He came to his own, he's talking about the Jewish people, Jesus came to his own, the Jews, and his own people, the Jews, received him not. But to all who received him, Jesus, who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave power to become children of God. So now, the way you become a child of God 
is through receiving Christ, not being born in Israel or being born of a Jewish you know, bloodline. The, 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 the Protestants have a view about the Jewish people or the chosen people of God. I'm going to offer a correction. They were, past tense, the chosen people of God. We're now in the new covenant. The chosen people of God are Catholic Christians, the church, through baptism, through faith, those are the chosen people of God today. Our Lord Jesus Christ says in the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 9, this is the, the glorified risen Christ. Okay? He says, and he's talking in context about apostate Israel. That's what he's talking about here. Behold, I will bring of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I make them to come and adore before thy feet. Whose feet? Those are the saints in heaven. Any saint in heaven, Jesus is saying that he's going to bring the unbelieving Jews to, to adore at your feet. And they shall know that I have loved thee. So the risen Lord Jesus Christ calls the unbelieving Jews the synagogue of Satan. I know what I just said right now is going to make my phone blow up, but I believe what the Bible says. We'll be right back. We'll continue this topic. Jesus 911. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. ...of Galilee. Uh, so why is Israel so important, this country, uh, to, to us as Catholics? I'll tell you why. It's because all of salvation history was, that's the chessboard where it was played out. That little piece of land is the chessboard of salvation history. The Bible's broken up into 12 Bible periods and into six covenants. That's a, that's a simple way for Catholic to understand salvation history. You got the covenant with Adam. You got the second covenant with Noah. You got the third covenant that God established with Abraham. The fourth covenant God established with Moses. The fifth covenant God established with King David. And the final covenant and the perfect and eternal covenant is with Jesus Christ, his son. So that's called, the, the, this is the covenants that we find from Genesis to Revelation by which God chose covenant mediators to expand the family of God. The family of God started from a holy couple, Adam. Then the family of God expanded to a holy family, Noah. The family of God expanded to a holy tribe, Abraham. The family of God expanded to a holy nation, Moses. The family of God expanded to a holy kingdom, David. And the family of God ultimately expanded to one holy Catholic church through Jesus. It, it is the true and final and definitive covenant. But for us as Catholics, the Bible does have timelines. Now, from Genesis 1 to 11, for us as Catholics, we call that the history of the early world. And nobody knows exactly the exact times when this happened. The story of, of Adam and Eve all the way uh, to, uh, to the flood and to the Tower of Babel. We don't exactly have the timeline with specificity when it happened. What we do know with accuracy is the second phase of the Bible timeline, which is called the, the, the 
era of the patriarchs, starting with Abraham. We know exactly when that happened on the timeline. Then we move on to the third timeline in biblical history. It's called Israel in Egypt and the Exodus and the book of Numbers. We move into the fourth timeline of salvation history that's called the conquest of Canaan under Joshua and Caleb. And then we move into the fifth timeline of salvation history and that's the period when Israel was ruled by judges. Then we move into the sixth timeline of salvation history and that's the United Kingdom under you know Jesse, David, Solomon. Then we move into the, the, the this next timeline that was known as the divided kingdom when Solomon's sons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, uh, they, uh, they separated from themselves. They separated the, the, the kingdom, the Solomonic kingdom, and you now have Israel in the north and Judah in the south under two kings, another family feud as we see. Then we move into the next period of the timeline. It's called the exile. And uh, this is chronicled in 2 Kings, uh, the, the book of 2 Kings, where you have the north is taken to Assyria, Israel is taken away into captivity in Assyria in 722 BC, and the south is taken into captivity right around 586 BC into Babylon. And then we move into the next timeline of salvation history. It's called the return. This is when the Jews came back under uh, the prophet and the governor, Ezra and Nehemiah, and uh, they were given their, their liberty, and they came back to the land that we call Israel. They came back uh, and they, they reconstructed the second temple. Then you move into the uh, 11th timeline of, of history. Protestants don't have this timeline. It's called the Maccabean Revolt. This is right before the time of Christ where the Greek Empire split into two and uh, they went after the Jews and they went after the temple. It was a, it was a, it was a, a horrendous persecution by the Greek Empire that had been split in two. And you have a family called the Maccabean family that led a revolt to, to defend themselves against uh, their Greek overlords. And then we move into the final time period. It's, this is the era of Jesus in the book of Acts and the time of uh, Roman domination. And so this is why for us as Catholics, the, Ho the Holy Land is significant to us because all of salvation history happened in that piece of real estate that today we call Israel. And so our, our attachment to Israel is really an attachment to the holy sites. It's, it was not a, an attachment to, to physical hard Israel as a nation. It's an attachment to the holy site, but we don't deny that this is where all the covenants were established and all salvation history came from that little piece of real estate, which is about the size of New Jersey, it's, uh, it's, it's basically the only uh, parliamentary democracy in the Middle East. They have a, a legislative, executive, and a, and a judicial branch, just like the U.S. And uh, you'll find that although Israel, the Jews have been thrown out of their land, then they come back and they get thrown out, there's, it's never been totally empty of Jews. Uh, and, 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 uh, you know, under, under David, it was their capital. And now under Trump back in 2017, it's their capital again. Jerusalem is their capital again. And so, uh, that city for them is of special importance, not only politically now, but spiritually as well in the last 3000 years. 
Now, something to say about the, the Muslims there in, in the Holy Land. Islam started in the 7th century. Okay, so we're not talking, Islam doesn't go back to the time of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Moses. Islam is relatively new. In fact, Islam is 700 years after the Catholic Church. And so, although it's an ancient religion, they come way, Islam was established way after the Catholics and way after Israel. One of the things that we do see is that the Arabs, when they pray, they face Mecca with their backs to Jerusalem. And Jews worldwide, when they pray in every single synagogue, they pray, they face Jerusalem. Why? Because Jerusalem is mentioned by name in the Hebrew scriptures called the Tanakh. It's mentioned over 700 times. Jerusalem is not mentioned even once in the Quran, which is the Arab Islamic holy book. Now, again, my spiritual analysis and all of this is, why is this happening, people are asking? Why is there such violence there? Again, it's very simple. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. If you reject Isaiah chapter 9 verse 5, if you reject Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, you're going to incur covenant judgment upon yourself. Paul, I want to hear your comments. Yeah. Uh, good history, Jess, of... Uh you know, what's been going on over there. Um, so as with God, you know, and, and, and as is true, there's, there's a physical and then there's a spiritual reality. Yeah. And as you know, and, and, and as you know, um, uh, the old Testament, you know, dealt in, in shadows and the New Testament deals in the fulfillments and the realities, as right. I think you were bringing up. And so, so, so as an example, the promises that were given to Israel um, in the type and the shadow are fulfilled in the church, the, which the New Testament, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, he calls it, you know, the Israel of God. The church is the Israel of God because we're not looking for, um, you know, an earthly um, uh, plot of land, but, you know, uh, so example. So when, you know, we're looking for heavenly, right? We're looking for that heavenly possession. Yeah. We're looking for that inheritance where as Catholics, we like to say, we're going to enjoy the beatific vision of God. And so when you, when you read Revelation chapter 21, you know, it's just uh, a beautiful picture of what we have to look forward to. So, uh, but in the meantime, here we are on planet Earth, right? And, and we're dealing with the realities and the struggles. And the one thing I, I just that I, I like is that, you know, the Bible calls it as it is, you know, uh, it, you know, it tells us things, prophecies long before they occur. So example, when the Bible talks about uh, Israel as a physical entity, and, you know, you mentioned how they, you know, uh, at, when the Romans dispelled them from the land, why? Because they violated the covenant. Because in a covenant, when, when, when you make a covenant, when God makes a covenant with man, if they obey the covenant, they enjoy blessing. But if they, if they, betray the covenant of God, 
then the curses of the covenant come upon them. And if you look at the history of Israel, you see that they were dispelled by the Assyrians in uh, uh, roughly 700 BC, uh, uh, 500 BC. It was Thessalonians. They were, you know, again, they didn't uh, uh, give God, uh, you know, what 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 was promised, what they promised to give God, what they agreed to give God of the covenant, and therefore. Uh, the curses of the covenant came on and God raised up Babylon in order, you know, to take them off into captivity. So likewise, the, you know, the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, he comes and, you know, what does the high priest do? Well, you know, the high priest who had on his, uh, on his turban, on his hat there, holy unto the Lord. And he, he's looking at the Lord face to face and what does he do he strikes the lord and jesus in in matthew chapter 24 what did he say he said that not one brick would be left upon another he says that this generation would not pass away uh until all these things came to be and in 70 a.d the romans came and once again uh destroyed them uh because they violated the covenant and they were dispelled from the land but God mentions in the Old Testament when he speaks about them uh, geographically as a people that they would that, that in end times that they would be a nation again. And that's what we find today. Miraculously, more than 2000 years, the Jews were spread out amongst the nations and they were never absorbed into their culture. They never you know, most people imagine if Mexico wasn't. Uh, uh, hold hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that thought. We'll be yeah. right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. So what is the condition of uh, Israel and the condition of Islam. Why is there so much violence? Very simple. If you reject Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, if you reject the Messiah, the Son of God, there will never be peace in the Holy Land. In fact, yeah, me and Paul were talking about, uh, you know, the left likes to use this statement, uh, uh, no justice, no peace. Okay, I got a better one. It's no Jesus, no peace. Okay, that's... A, it, the Muslims and the Jews reject Christ, the real Christ. They have a, they have a, uh, you know, their their man-made facsimile right. of Jesus. They, but if you reject Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you will never know peace. And that's why the Holy Land is a hornet's nest of violence, and it has been. And it's basically a, a, a battle over the Holy Land is the battle between two brothers. Ishmael was the bastard son of Abraham who was intimate with his slave Hagar because God had promised him this piece of land, but he didn't have a child. And so his wife says, well, if God made you these promises, but I can't give you a child because I'm too old now, maybe you could be intimate with the slave Hagar and she could sire you a son. So she didn't have to push Abraham too hard. Uh, he uh, became intimate with Hagar, had a son with with uh, with her called Ishmael. Well, guess what? About 12, 13 years later, Sarah gets pregnant. She's an old lady at this point. And so Sarah 
has a son with her husband Abraham. That was the natural son of the uh, between the marriage, and his name is Isaac. So Muslims claim Ishmael as their forefather because he was banished over to Mesopotamia, which is the Arab nations. And so Muslims claim that piece of real estate that was promised to Abraham, they'll say that belongs to us through Ishmael. But the Jewish argument is, yeah, God made promises to the spiritual heirs of, of, of Abraham. And that pro- those promises include the Holy Land. And that belongs to us through Isaac. So you have two religions, two monotheistic religions that are fighting for that real estate that we call Israel or the Holy Land, Jerusalem, the capital now, uh, which the Jews believe is the belly button of the world. They believe that that's where the Garden of Eden was. Now, the Muslims believe that the Garden of Eden was is in Iraq. So both in Babylon and Iraq, they'll argue. But uh, Jewish and, and even the, the fathers of the church will acquiesce that the Garden of Eden was in Jerusalem proper. But for us as Catholics, as Paul said, we're not, we don't have a dog in the fight. We don't fight for earthly Jerusalem. We used to in the Middle Ages, by the way, and I'll get to that. What we're looking for is for the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're, the Bible even says it's so beautiful and so majestic that it, we can't even describe it. Shakespeare on his best day can't describe heaven to us. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9 about heaven, eye has not seen and ear has not heard and what has not entered the human Amen. heart, what God has prepared for those who love him. That's a description of heaven. Uh, I, I, I will say this once again. Why is this happening in the Middle East? Uh, there's an old bumper sticker that I've seen. It says, no Jesus, N-O, Jesus, N-O, peace. But if you know Jesus, K-N-O-W, you will know peace. K-N-O-W. Mm-hmm. Now, on a, pol- on a political landscape, here's what I will say as well. Because everything has a spiritual and, 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 and an earthly, uh, basically, uh, uh, answer, response. War is big business, Paul. I've just seen that in my lifetime in 60-some-odd years living on the planet Earth. And to me, the globalist oligarchs, the filthy rich and famous, they look at the rest of us like meat sacks. They look at the rest of us like earth eaters. <laughs> you know, uh, give them the jab, give them uh, the, you know, the booster, uh, uh, you know, uh, abortion, contraception, anything to thin out the ranks of the earth eaters like us. And what happens? War makes the rich richer. War makes the poor poor. War depopulates the deplorables. That's us. And it keeps certain businesses, big tech, you know, big pharma medicines, uh, the industrial war accomplice, Lockheed, Boeing, Northrop, Northrop, Raytheon. It keeps them in business building weapon systems for endless wars. And then the industrial war complex, what do they do? They give sizable donations to the New World Order oligarchs as these New World Order oligarchs and lobbyists and politicians. What are they trying to do with all these this money from the industrial war complex as they get uh, to lobby money? 
They want to build the new world order. They want to huh. build a utopia on earth. So that's you the know, political Jess, side of all this, Paul. Yeah, Jess, it's funny because uh, no sooner as we see support for uh, the Ukraine, meaning support by means of weapons of war to the tune of billions of dollars we've been sending there, support for that has, was beginning to wane uh, uh, amongst members of the U.S. Congress. Uh, no sooner does that happen, and this conflict occurs in Israel, and uh, all of a sudden, oh, we have to support Israel, Joe Biden saying. We need to support them. We are 100% behind Israel. And it's kind of funny. When President Trump was in office, you know, he, you know, you know, he signed the Abraham Accords, which basically was, uh, you know, there was peace beginning to uh, be established between Israel, certain Islamic countries, which was, you know, uh, step by step, if it, as that would have increased, there truly could have been peace there. But uh, uh, and Joe Biden, when he got in, he, you know, he was not the friend of Israel from that standpoint of view. But the minute they went to war, you know, he's beaten the war drum. Why? Because of the military industrial complex, because there's money to be made. You see, like you said, there's gold in them there hills when it comes to war. And love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, sacred scripture says. And so so again, uh a lot of this stuff, you know, we can look at the reasons why this and the reasons why that. And we can see, uh, like you mentioned, this goes all the way back to Ishmael. And I wouldn't refer to him as the bastard son of Abraham because his wife, Sarah, you know, was beyond, humanly speaking, childbearing years. And so she brought her servant sort of as a surrogate mom, you know, uh, uh, let her have a, the child that God promised. But unfortunately, that wasn't in God's plan. God's plan was, no, through your wife, Sarah. God's plan was life from the dead. Her womb was long dead. She was an old woman. But God is the God of miracles. And Isaac was the son of promise. And so when you look at biblical prophecy, you see, that, you know, there, there, there's the, the world and there's that, that, that physical and then there's that spiritual reality and the spiritual fulfillment and the two kind of reflect each other and so ultimately god's promise for mankind like you said is peace through jesus christ that is the only peace that man can enjoy man unfortunately today we want the benefits of the kingdom we want peace we want eternal life but we want it here on earth we want we want the king dumb without the king and this is this is the lie that satan promised eve all the way back in the garden that you know uh, you don't need god you can do these things on your own uh you can be like him and um, this is the world we find ourselves in and the only true peace as you rightfully said just is it comes through the prince of uh, the prince of peace jesus christ any other type peace is a false peace. It is a temporary peace, and it will always fail. Why? Because the heart of man is desperately sick, the Bible says. Nothing has changed. His nature needs to be changed, and the only one that can change the nature of man is God. The only one that can empower man to put to death the deeds of the flesh is the Holy Spirit of God. 
And whether you be Jew, whether you be Muslim, the only answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Isaiah 9, 5, the Prince of Peace. Uh, yeah, th- I-, I mentioned uh, that Ishmael was the bastard son of, of uh, Abraham and Hagar. So I don't want to make sure I'm using the word property. I looked at looked up bastard. Dictionary.com says a person born of unmarried parents. So that that's yeah. all that means. I know it sounds strong, bastard song. All yeah. it means, yeah. all it means you're born out of wedlock. That's all it means. Another thing I would say is there's one verse that describes the Jews and the Muslims. One verse accurately. It's in John chapter 16, verses one to three. Our Lord says this to the to the apostles. I have told you this, that you may not fall away. They will expel you from the synagogues. In fact, the hour is coming when everyone who kills you will think he is offering worship to God. They will do this because they have not known either the Father or me. That verse applies in historical context to the Jews that were killing the apostles and the early Catholic Church. But now, that verse prophetically Fits like a hand in glove with Islam. Why is that that Muslims kill people? It says here, they will do this because they have not known either the Father or me. The Muslims don't know God the Father. They call Allah Master, never Father. And the Islam has an historian view of Jesus. They have the false Jesus. So once again, what do we need? We need to evangelize the entire world using what faith reason and prayer catholics if you're not praying your rosary every day you're not on the team you're blowing it big time catholics make sure you're prayer warriors we need all hands on deck right now catholics are called to be like like the men on the wall on the jerusalem wall when they see the enemy coming they batten down the hatches and, uh, and, and they get the, the, uh, the arrows ready to fire. Catholics should be sentries and archers at the same time. Watching the enemies at the gate. Protecting your family by living in a state of grace. Your holiness, mom and dad, has everything to do with the way your kids are going to turn out. Because your, the grace of God flows through mom and dad. Be holy. So that you can... Merit the grace of God for your children and your and your and your grandchildren, and they can become as holy as possible themselves. What is needed right now in 2023 is holiness, is saints. Well, we'll see you next time. That's a wrap. Two man car, we're EOW, end of watch. God bless you. Keep the faith.